Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. I want to welcome you tonight uh, to our Bible study and also uh, the members of the Blessed Hope Community Church. Welcome, and uh, we ask that God would bless you tonight as we study his word. Uh, so therefore, let us be prayerful and let us fill our hearts with praise because God is good all the time and he is worthy to be praised. So all creation, Psalm 150, should praise the Lord. He is worthy of our praise. And if you have an active and consistent prayer life, you know that God answers prayer. You know that God will bless you uh, in your prayer life if you are close to him. And uh, if you have no unconfessed sins in your heart, if you and if you uh, go before God and agree with him that you have sinned, uh, we know that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is, uh, this is what the word of God states in no uncertain terms. So uh, tonight uh, our study uh, is entitled The Philanthropy of God of Jesus. Now, I'm using this particular word, philanthropy, because it is in the Greek text. Uh, And so I attempt in every Bible study to bring out uh, uh, what the Greek text teaches, because uh, there are many individuals who would be familiar with the secular term, philanthropy, but uh, tonight I want to show you and I want to demonstrate from the Greek text that uh, this term is used of God. So with that, let us have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Christ our Savior, we do thank you for this time. We ask to be guided by the Holy Spirit of God, who is the author of the scripture. We pray that there are no unconfessed sins in our hearts, Lord, so that we uh, would be enabled by the Spirit of God, to hear effectively your word so that our walk would change, our talk would change, what we listen to and see would change accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going to be we're going to be starting our study in tonight in Exodus 29, verses 1 through 4. Exodus 29, verses 1 through 4. Then we're going to go to Uh, the book of Matthew, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3. So, uh, God is holy. And uh, because he is holy, uh, he has, uh, he demands that his people 
uh, live holy lives. So uh, before we read our text in Leviticus, Leviticus 18, uh, unholy practices are forbidden. Unholy practices are forbidden uh, in verses 1 to 5. A holy life is demanded by Yahweh of his people. So in chapter 18 of Leviticus, about 30 times in uh, chapters 18 through 22, we have the solemn words, I am the Lord, and you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So the holiness of the Redeemer, that is our purchaser out of the slave market of sin, is the all-compelling reason for the holiness of the redeemed. And then uh, in, in chapter 18 of Leviticus, verses 6 through 23, unholiness is specified. Unholiness is specified. Various unholy relationships, verses 6 through 18, a render a believer unfit for worship. The, the vile, abominable practices of the Canaanites and other idolaters are spelled out in verses 19 through 23. We are not to be polluted with the things of this cosmos. In verses 24 through 30, uh, judgment is threatened. So, uh, in the panorama of history, uh, the panorama of history, I should say, has shown God's warning consummated in judgment, both for the Canaanites and Israel. So, uh, in Exodus chapter 4, in Exodus 29, verses 1 through 4, uh, we have the consecration of the priest. And while I'm reading this, please understand that uh, the New Testament teaches the, the priesthood of believers, the priesthood of believers. It is a doctrine that believers should know in great detail. And if you would read uh, the letter to the Hebrews, you would see that. Uh, Jesus uh, is our great high priest. And uh, we can go boldly before the throne of grace and find grace to help, grace to help in time of need as believer priests. And uh, in the book of Revelation, John speaks of our priesthood. And John speaks of, uh, the apostle John speaks of the saints as uh, being adorned in white, Stoles, uh, which is from the New Testament Greek. Uh, we say robes, but the, the Bible uh, says stoles in, uh, in the Greek text. Uh, in our glorified bodies, uh, we, will be, uh, we will be adorned in these wonderful stoles. And so uh, I just want to give you a picture of what is to come. And uh, but Paul writes, I have not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man what God hath prepared for those who love him. 
Uh, Paul also writes that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And this is a brand new life, a brand new life. Uh, And it is something to contemplate because uh, he, uh, Paul writes that God is going to show throughout the endless ages of eternity as the, the ages of the ages topple over one another, the riches of his grace toward his saints in Christ Jesus. Nothing like that is promised to us here in this cosmos. Nothing like that is promised us. Exodus chapter 29, verses 1 through 4, quote, This is what you are to do to consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two rams without defect or defect and from fine wheat flour without yeast, make bread and cakes mixed with oil and wafers spread with oil. Remember, the oil is a symbol of the spirit. And uh, put them in a basket and present them in it, along with the bull and the two rams. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Wash them with water. So uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, filled every Old Testament type that pointed to him, that pointed to his public ministry. And so when we go, uh, so let's turn now to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Quote, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, unquote. So, well, why did Jesus feel the need to be baptized uh, by John in the Jordan? And John, in verse 14, we read that John forbade him. John did not want to do it. And so Jesus uh, comforted his heart because John, of course, was the cousin of Jesus. He was also the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. As, uh, 
And so, uh, and verse 15 we read, And Jesus answering said thus unto him, said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, or let it be so now, for it is fitting for us. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. What was Jesus doing? Well, Jesus said, let it happen. And with these remarkable words, Jesus begins his ministry. Now, in chapter 4, Jesus uh, is going to be led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. But this is the beginning of his public ministry. And this is the fir- his first act. And what does Jesus do? Through submitting to baptism. Now notice, uh, through this act, Jesus identifies himself with those he came to redeem. He is identifying with sinners. Yes, he is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, but here he identifies himself with us. And so this is a very powerful uh, beginning to his ministry. So Jesus identified with you, and he identified with me and all the other sinners who need his ministry. We need Jesus. Now, some may deny that they need him or live as though they don't need him, but they need him. And so Jesus understands all the the, the intricacies of of the human personality, uh, as not tainted by sin, but as immersed uh, in sin, Uh, as dead, as as those who are dead in, uh, in trespasses and sins that Paul speaks about in Ephesians 2. Uh, the Son of Man uh, came to seek and to save that which was destroyed is the literal language of the Greek. Why? So, listen, I like to do this because it is important that we understand the serious nature of sin and not just think sin is some moral defilement. Because moral defilement, um, uh, uh, to be decadent or uh, profligate, those are symptoms of sin and what sin is and what sin does. See, those who practice sin, those who are devoted to practice of sin, according to the word of God, they're not merely depraved. That, that is morally deficient in some manner, but uh, these individuals are dead in trespasses and sins. The Son of Man has come to seek out and save that which was destroyed, ruined by sin. And we, if, if we don't agree or understand of this, then 
we make light of the, uh, the teaching of the scripture. So here we have uh, in Exodus chapter 29, verses 1 through 4, here in Matthew 3, 15, Jesus fulfilled. Uh, we have the type given in the book of Exodus, and we have the antitype. We have here, we have the fulfillment of, of these, uh, these very powerful scriptures that point to what Jesus would do during his public ministry. Everything he did was strategic. Every move he made, every word he said, everywhere he went was strategic. That is, according to the plan of God. Everyone he healed, every discussion he had was strategic, all laid out in the plan of God, in the blueprint of God for his public ministry before God created the universe. The archetype of what Jesus would come to do was already laid out by God. And we say eternity past, but really there is only eternity, not eternity past and eternity future. But eternity is always present tense. So this is God, God's archetype plan or archetypal plan for us because God knew standing of what would happen in Genesis 3. He knew that man would die. God said, dying thou shalt die. He said this to the Adam. God never said to him uh, anything less than that, dying thou shalt die. We read that God breathed into the nostrils of the Adam the breath of life, and man became a living nephesh a living soul, a living soul. So, and what we see, uh, so we have the creative activity of God in Genesis 1 and 2, and then we have the destruction of the creative activity of God in chapter 3. And then we see the, uh, and God redeems both uh, Adam and Eve, I'll say, and uh, we see, but we see the consequence or the consequences of sin in their home, in their family, in their lives. What sin did. What sin did to their home. And so my thing, and I like to warn people who think about and contemplate going into sin you need to take a moment and think about the consequences of your actions. Because at some point, the consequences are going to show up. And I rarely met an individual who was thankful for the consequences of his sinful or her sinful actions coming back. I rarely met people who said, thank God that my consequences are bad. No. I met people who were who were horrified, chagrined, taken aback by oh when their sins, the consequences of their sins, forgiven sins, mind you, but the consequences come knocking at the door. 
So Jesus identifies himself with sinners. Speak of the substitutionary death of Christ for on our behalf. Jesus did not die for his sins because he was sinless. His nature is impeccable. He is without sin. He died on behalf of others. And so he died for us. Now, before Jesus was even born, the devil attempted to destroy the family line that would lead up to the incarnation. And it was a a bitter battle because the devil knew what Jesus uh, would come to do. And the devil had uh, the keys of death. The devil had the keys of Hades. And Jesus took that authority away from him. And so, uh, oh, death, where is thy thing? Oh, oh, grave, where is thy victory? And so Jesus achieved our salvation, our rescue through dying on the cross on behalf of sinners. He fulfilled all righteousness. That is the, uh, the demands of outraged holiness. Jesus took our sins out of the way. That is, uh, through his blood, he wiped away the ruin he, uh, that sin had engendered. And so, it, and so now we have a brand new life through Christ, a brand new life. So God doesn't do recidivism. God doesn't engage in, oh, uh, let's take the old man, let's take the old life, and let's do something to dress it up. No, that's not what God does. That's man's best. That's what man can do. That's his best. God regenerates the life. God gives a brain heart. And so uh, for people who have, whose lives have been ruined by others, by being uh, others have sinned against them in some heinous way, listen, I want you to understand that the brokenness and the shame that you believe will be there all of your life does not have to be because God has given you a brand new life in Christ. And the blame, the self-torture, the self-injury, and the guilt that you feel, that you may feel for uh, by saying, well, uh, I should have done something and, and the way I was sinned against. I should have done something. Listen, let all of that go and release it to God because God knows exactly who you are and what has gone on in your life. You have to believe in order to receive. Now, if you truly want a blessed life, you've got to believe that God says what? Look, you have been, maybe you've been sinned against so bad, you think 
that I'm so dirty and I've done so many horrible things that there is no way that God can love me. The Bible tells us that the publicans and the sinners received him gladly. They sat with him. They wanted to hear him. Because you know what? When these people came to Jesus, he knew everything that they had done and what had been done to them. He knew about their oppressors. And he knew that these people had been taken advantage of. They had been gaslighted. They had been lied to. They had been stolen from. Jesus knew all that. But he received them. He received them. And uh, he received them gladly. And they heard him gladly. Because his words were different words. His words were not uh, words of condemnation. They were uh, words of what? Reception. God receives me. And God doesn't merely uh, uh, cover over my sin. God wipes my sin out. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. Jesus said, I come not to call the self-righteous, Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous to repentance because the righteous are arrogant and they they feel, they believe they have no need of repentance. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. <clears throat> repentance, a change of mind, metanoia, a change of the mind. A change of a mind resulting in a new way before God. Uh, Isaiah writes, salvation without money, salvation without Christ. Let everyone who is thirsty come. Come to Jesus. No one can pay, could pay for this type of life. It is amazing. The walk with God is amazing. When you really think about the reality that Jesus at his at this baptism by John identified himself with you as a sinner, personalize it. Think about that. And what that means to you. I'm unimportant. I'm insignificant. People ignore me. People take advantage of me. And I'm angry because I don't like it when people take advantage of me, and yet I do. And so I'm an angry person because I don't know how to stand up for myself. And if I fear that if I stand up for myself, I'm going to make people angry, and uh, I don't want people uh, to feel that way about me. But yet I feel angry when they take advantage of me. You see the kind of stuff we create. And I want you to know that God has never called you to be a nice person. He never called me to be a nice person. Uh, Nice is a synonym for doormat. And there's no Greek word for that. 
And there's no Hebrew word for that. There's no Aramaic word for that. But the Bible tells me that when Joseph was sold into bondage by his brothers and he was taken to Egypt, the psalmist states that that experience, that experience that he suffered, put steel in his spine. That is, that suffering than him. It made him different. And so he became a brand new person. And the Bible tells me that God was with him and that God blessed him. And wherever he went, wherever he did, God blessed him. And how do I know this? Well, the Bible tells us that wherever Joseph went and whatever he did, uh, he prospered. Uh, God only prospered him, but those within his periphery received blessings because God was with him. You must believe that God is with you. And that God is going to prosper you. Look, if Jesus has identified, if Jesus has identified himself with you, you are prosperous beyond imagination. But you have to believe it to receive it. People heap these labels on me. And uh, I have owned these negative labels about me. Really. So they must be true. Listen. I never read the scripture where God put a label on you and me. What I do read in Scripture is about the grace of God. I read about the love of God. I read about the mercy of God. I read about the kindness of God. I read about the good shepherd who leads me besides the waters of quietness, who restores my soul. Listen, the world will the world will tear you apart. The world will rend you. The world will take all the goodness from you and then toss you aside because now you're used and abused. There's nothing of value left in you. So you're discarded like nothing. You don't read that in the Word. God gives a brand new life. God gives us a brand new way of being. Stop letting the devil whisper in your ear about some old sin. And stop torturing yourself about remembering that old sin. When God said, confess it to me. Confess? That is to agree with God that, yeah, this is real. I really did do this sin. And then there's what? There's metanoia. And then there, uh, there is uh, there's confession. There, there's forgiveness. And he cleanses from all unrighteousness. You and I are believer priests. We have undergone the washing of regeneration. 
and the renewing, the renewing of the spirit. Our Savior identifies with us. And so we have a brand new life through our Savior Jesus. Now, when we turn, uh, I'm now I'm, I'm turning to, to uh, Titus, the book of Titus. And I'm going to start uh, reading uh, from Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. I'm going to begin at verse 11. Quote, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now, I want you to read that very carefully with me because there are, are preachers who unfortunately been tell they, they've told a group of people that they are the elect and um, they teach uh, election in a way that is not taught in the word of God. So notice the language quote this is Paul for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. See, you have to do <clears throat> some exegetical gymnastics to exclude all men. And for God so loved the world that he gave uh, in order to arrive at their understanding, their doctrine of election. So be very careful when you hear uh, that, that, that fake teaching because the way some of these guys teach election is not found scripturally. Verse 12, quote, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. Remember where Paul came from. Remember that Paul was a religious gangster. Remember, he was he was super brilliant. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self controlled, that is through the power of the Spirit, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. Uh, I love this, these verses. I love this. We wait for the blessed hope. We wait with eager expectation for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, sometimes... I just think about these words, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I will just say them over and over and over again to myself because this is my anchor. This is my anchor. And this is what I love to think about. And it always makes me happy and my heart dances and Sometimes I just get tears in my eyes because I want to see him. I know everything I have and everything I am 
belongs to him. I am a steward of what he of his blessings, period. And that's enough for me. And whatever success, whatever gift, whatever uh, wonderful experience I've had, and even the bad ones, uh, it was in God's plan for my life to grow me up, to mature me. So I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful for God for who he is. I'm thankful. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Now, remember we just read from Matthew 3, where he was baptized by John in the Jordan to identify with sinners. And now Paul writes in verse 14 of Titus 2, who gave himself for us. Who gave himself for us. Here. We have the substitutionary death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem. That word means to purchase, to redeem us. Who gave himself for us to redeem us. From what? From all wickedness. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Are you eager to do what is good? Eager to do what is good. My Bible tells me that Paul writes that if you sow sparingly, then you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow abundantly, guess what? You're going to reap an abundant harvest. Understand the equation. It is very simple, but it is very uh, profound. Understand the equation. Eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Oh, I have no, I love to encourage people in the faith, and I really have no I mean, there are people who need to be rebuked because, man, they have some terrible anti-Christ, anti-Christian attitudes. Do not let anyone despise you. Chapter 3, verse 1, quote, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one to be peaceable and considerate and to show true humility toward all men. And then Paul uh, talks about our collective testimony from the past. Verse 3, quote, At one time, we too were foolish. I have to give you the Greek word for that. It means lacking intelligence but also demonstrating moral fault. Oh, we too were foolish. Amen. I identify. I understand this. Lacking intelligence, but demonstrating moral fault. Disobedient. Next word. Uh, Disobedient. That is, would not allow oneself to be persuaded. God talks. God beckons. God calls. 
God leads us astray. God protects and God keeps the enemy from ruining us. Oh, we're disobedient. Disobedient. That is, would not, again, would not allow oneself to be persuaded. Then he goes on. Uh, deceived, that word is planeo. It means to wander, to roam. It means to seduce, etc. And then he goes on, uh, and, and is uh, deceived and enslaved. It's an ugly word, enslaved. And you get the picture. To be a slave by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And that word enslaved in Greek, it means dependency. Is that a terrible word? It means dependency. Uh, to put oneself, uh, to put one's dependency into effect. It means just, uh, it means uh, to move toward ruin. And then uh, he goes on. And we lived in malice. That's an ugly word. It means an evil habit of mind. Then envy, it means decay, wither, pain at the sight of excellence or happiness in another. Then he goes on, being hated and hating one another. Can you imagine? You remember that stuff. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. Now, in the Greek text where it reads, the love of God, and the old King, G, King James Version, it reads, his love toward us. That is the transliteration of the word philanthropia or philanthropy. So, once again, the, lo- uh, the love of God, our Savior, that's the, the version I'm reading now. The translation I'm reading now has that. But in KJV, it, it reads, uh, the uh, is <clears throat> excuse me, my throat. His love of uh, it means his love of mankind, philanthropia, his love toward man, his love toward man. You don't see that a lot today. What you see today are people wanting to move into AI and transhumanism. To man qua man, or to man as man, we say good riddance. But God loves us, and God sent his son to die on our behalf. We have newness of life through the Lord Jesus Christ. According to his mercy, uh, he saved us, not because of the righteous things, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Spirit of God, poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Look, the devil doesn't want you to know about this wonderful new life. The world doesn't want you to know about this wonderful new life. Unclean spirits, demons, they don't want you to know about this wonderful new life. You know why? Because they are evil. And they can have it. You have this. You have access to God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Won't you start living like you know him from this very moment? Your prayer life will change. Your praise life will change. 
you will see many new blessings come your way because now you are devoted exclusively to the service of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless all of you.